Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Quickly able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> the following him and said, For as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse, neither to eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who had formed this plot. These men went to the chief priests, elders, and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So now you, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. However, before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. But the son of Paul's sister, hearing about this ambush, came and entered the barracks and reported it to Paul. Then Paul called one of his centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander because he has something to report to him. So he took him, brought him to the commander and said, The prisoner Paul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. And the commander took him by the hand, led him aside and inquired privately, What is it that you have to report to me? The Jews, he said, have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin tomorrow, as though they are going to hold a somewhat more careful inquiry about him. Don't let them persuade you, because there's more than 40 of them arranging to ambush him, men who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they kill him. Now they are ready, waiting for a commitment from you. So the commander dismissed the young man and instructed him, Don't tell anyone that you have informed me about this. To Caesarea by night. He summoned two of his centurions and said, Get 200 soldiers ready with 70 cavalry, 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at night, at nine tonight. Also provide mounts so they can put Paul on them and bring him safely to Felix the governor. He wrote a letter of this kind, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor Felix. Greetings. When this man had been seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I arrived with my troops, rescued him, because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. Wanting to know the charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down before their Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusations were about disputed matters in their law, and that there was no charge that merited death or chains. When I was informed that there was a plot against this man, I sent him to you right away. I also ordered his accusers to state their case against him in your presence. Therefore, the soldiers took Paul during the night and brought him to the Antipas as they were ordered. The next day, they returned to the barracks, allowing the cavalry to go on with him. When these men entered Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. After he read it, he asked what province he was from. So he learned that he was also from Cilicia. He said, I will give you a hearing whenever your accusers get here too. And he ordered that he be kept under guard in Herod's palace. Father, thank you, Lord, for this privilege we have to be here. Father, on this beautiful Lord's Day, the Sabbath day. God, I pray today that your word would speak as you promise it will, Lord, and accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. 
Father, hide me behind the cross, Lord, so that you may move in hearts as only you can. God, we know that each and every one of us are in different places, battles, struggles, Lord, just living the everyday life as followers of Christ. God, and some days it seems it's so difficult even to place one foot in front of the other. But Lord, we know as 2 Corinthians 12 encourages us in, Father, your power is made perfect in weakness. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus, Lord, the gift of salvation, Lord, and the purpose and plans that you have laid out for our lives. Pray we'd be faithful, Lord, and this morning, God, I pray one would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Ones that are broken and struggling, hurting, would find deliverance, freedom, and Lord, all that you have purposed for their lives today. All over the globe, God, let this happen. May you, above all, be glorified, and we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. may be seated. Verse 11 again, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, have courage for as you've testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. It leads to the first thing that I want to share with you this morning, and it is this, God's directions are clear and without confusion. Looking at what's going on here with Paul from the very onset of this right here, God has divinely spoken to Paul. But hey, basically, listen. This is my purpose. This is my plan for you. And it's really interesting because God basically laid out Paul's life from the moment he came to Christ and divinely led each and everything that happened to him. And I think that because of Paul's faith, being sure of what he hoped for and certain of what, he did, do not, what you do not see, that that is the reason you see even Paul and Silas when they're having been beaten, put in, in chains, in prison, that they were singing hymns after this occurred to them. What they had recognized is, and even as a believer, as you yield yourself to the Lord and recognize that God is sovereign, God is in control, God is on the throne, and you allow the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 mindset to permeate everything that you do, and you rejoice in everything, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, and all things give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you, and you truly believe the words of scriptures like Ephesians 3, 20, and to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, what becomes clear is God's got it under control. And what happens is no matter what you face, you live in faith, through faith. Because you know that no matter what happens, God is not going to leave you stranded. He's not going to leave you high and dry. He's going to provide all your needs. And all you have to do is be still and know that he is God. And that's what you see demonstrated truly beautifully in the life of Paul. Even remember when we saw in the stoning of Stephen. Here is Stephen dying because he loves the Lord. More importantly, he's dying because he wanted others to know the good news of the gospel and was willing to be stoned to death because he cared about them that much. All he had to do is shut his mouth. Shut his mouth and apologize for the disruption. Sorry, I, I've, I'm off in the head. Uh, can't help it. I'm just, you know, let me go back. And he could have gone and lived his life, but no. He knew there was nothing to go back to the same way we see with Paul. Paul recognized to live as Christ, to die as gain. Are we there? Do we realize that? See, God's directions, they're clear, and they're without confusion. Paul tells, God tells Paul plainly right there. It's beautiful. 
the Lord stood by him and said, it doesn't get any clearer than that, does it? Have courage, for as you've testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Now remember, backwards a little bit. Remember when there were people trying to convince Paul, hey, listen, the, the belt with which this is chained, a person the belt this is, is going to be chained, basically going to die. Paraphrasing. Remember? Paul had been warned what was ahead in Rome. He knew he was going to die. Okay, question. If today you felt like God was leading you to go to Syria today, you're going to go to, up to uh, New York, and you're going to get on an airplane in New York, and you're going to head over to Syria. By the way, you can't just fly straight. You have to go a few different ways and sometimes be, you have to be snuck into the country. And you knew that you were going to die there. Don't, don't raise your hand. How many people in this building right now would get on that plane? And I'm not talking about you just went over there and did something dumb. I'm talking about God divinely called you to go and share the truth with the people of Syria and that you were going to die when you got there as you shared the gospel. How many people... You know, I got a family, and Lord, you know, I, I can be much more an effective witness here as I stay. I can, you know, keep sharing Christ for the next 30 years. And in all honesty, have you ever thought about that? I think we can get to the heart of the matter, as by the way, I hope you're able to come over the next three weeks on Wednesday nights. God laid a series on my heart that... Uh, really encouraged in hearing the feedback from people about how God's using that in lives. But see, we get to the heart of the matter. It's easy to sit in here and when you're in pure safety in a nation like America, where we can truly, really still relatively freely serve Christ, honor Christ, and glorify Christ. But how about when you are faced with imminent death for what you believe? That's where, in a sense, we start, as Scripture talks about, separating the wheat from the chaff, sheep from, from obedient sheep versus sheep that are not really excited about what the true call of a disciple would mean or be. To God's directions, though, are clear. They're without confusion. Paul did not have any question in the directive and the mandate that God had created, prepared him, and was leading him to. It was a divine mandate that ended in his death, as an ambassador, as a spokesman for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There should not be, as a Christian, Lord, I'll be glad to give you my life, but Lord, my finances, that's a different story, Lord. Uh, Lord, you can have my life, but uh, not my family. Lord, you can have my possessions, but not, you know, we can say this, but... Wait a minute, what is Scripture talk of doulos? We're slaves to Christ. If you are a regenerate follower of Christ, you are a slave. Slaves have no rights to themselves, do they? Slaves have no possessions of their own. Do you realize this morning, I have no possessions of my own. I have what God's entrusted me with. Not one penny that I have is mine, it's God's. And it's been given to me for a short time to be a steward of. And what one day will be is ultimately stand accountable for what he's blessed me with, he's entrusted me with. 
My children aren't mine. Nothing's ours if you really understand what it means to be a doulos, a slave to Christ. The beautiful thing about being a slave to Christ, though, is this. What provisions is a slave responsible for? None. The slave master is the one that's responsible for the provision for his slave. And therefore, if we are a slave to the God of creation, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, he is responsible for, hmm, wonder why Scripture says, I'll provide all your needs according to my glorious riches in Christ. Isn't that interesting? Height nor depth, the angels, principalities, nothing in all of creation will separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. See how awesome. Not only is the love provided for, but the provisions provided for. And actually, if he calls us to testify to, to the truth of the gospel, it says the Holy Spirit will give us the words to speak. Isn't that interesting? So when you look now at Scripture and you see it from that perspective and you see the supernatural clarity of God's directions, they are without God is not a God of confusion. Order. Power, love, and of a sound mind. So if you're deceived, you know, Lord, I just don't understand why I don't have a clear path forward because he doesn't want you going forward right now. He wants you to be still. He wants you to wait on him. Was those that wait on the Lord, mount up wings like eagles, right? Run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. It says, though, those that wait upon the Lord. We have timing problems. We've been culturally conditioned to go to the fast food restaurant and have it in 60 seconds. And if not, we just get all bent out of shape. We've been culturally conditioned in a Burger King mindset. Have it your way. We try to take that philosophy and we bring it into the church. Have it your way. I don't like things, I'll go somewhere else. Oh, what about God's divine calling? What about God's divine leading in the body of Christ that he has led you in? I never saw anything in Scripture about I'm going to stay in the body of Christ until I get mad about something and then God's moving me. Oh, really? That sounds like the, the flesh speaking, amen, not the spirit. As a matter of fact, you know when God leads you? He leads you when it's like a three-year-old that you're having to discipline and you're trying to pull them from their foot because they dropped on the ground and you're having to just pull and they're grabbing on to the, the door frames and everything else. That's how God moves Christians in churches. You don't want to go. God, don't leave, please, unless there is outright disobedience spiritually and there is heresy going on in the teaching. When God moves us, it is at the time that we don't want to go anywhere. We don't want any. It, that's the hardest time to move to, isn't it? But that's when we hear God's voice. And we also remove what equation out? Us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. But when our spirits get out where they shouldn't be, what we'd start doing is we get the waters muddied. We don't have this clear direction then because why? It becomes about us. It's not about us. It's about him. Watching Paul right now is the beautiful picture of what a true sold-out follower of Jesus Christ is. He was all in. Are you all in spiritually this morning? 
Are you truly living out the call of the disciples or are you living on your feelings? You know, they didn't shake my hand. You know, she, she looked at me weird. He looked at me weird. I don't feel comfortable. I feel weird. What? That's not... Don't wear your feelings on your shoulders, church. You know why? What do we talk about with the district? Hey, the enemy will make sure that you interpret everything you see as an offense against you. And everybody's going to walk around mad about something, won't we? And we'll never find out what it's like to live as a follower of Christ, as a disciple that is completely yielded to the master's hand, the potter's wheel. And you know what I realize more than anything? If I think someone said it, they probably didn't. I always, I, I've kind of done this in my life. It's a really good philosophy to have. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Amen? Anybody in here want to give people the same grace that, that you want them to give you? That's what I always say. Give people the grace that you would like them to give you. Now, is there going to be people in life that I don't care what you do, you no way in the world you're ever going to make them happy? Sure. But for the most part, that's not going to be the issue. Scripture also says what? As far as it concerns who? Live at peace with all men? You, yeah. As far as it concerns you, us. Live at peace with all people. God's directions, they're clear. They're without confusion. So as you see this, remember this with your life. Remember this with your commitment to the body of Christ. Hey, I'm walking through doors that God opens. I divinely want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And though you may not have God stand next to you and audibly speak that, I promise you one thing. If you're in his word and you're in prayer and you're seeking his face and the direction for your life, what's he going to do? It'll be as loud as if it's on a megaphone at a ball game, won't it? Because God is not that God in a muddy, murky, confused, directional state. No, God clearly opens doors. And by the way, when they're open, God just doesn't crack it and you can smell the, the chocolate chip cookies baking inside. No, if that door is opened of God, it's open. If it's cracked, stay away from it. Don't walk up next to the door and start smelling. Don't try to peek in. Step back and say, God, I'll walk through that door when you have opened that door. And when you walk through the door that God opened, there's not going to be trip hazards. There's not going to be confusion. It will be clear and concise what God wants to do and where he's leading you in your lifetime. You will see that in Scripture. Every time people acted in and of themselves, <clears throat> Saul... I'm going to help God offer those sacrifices because we're not going to be able to win this victory if we don't go ahead and get the show on the road. How about Samson? You know what? I want that woman. I'm going to go find him. Don't listen to your parents who said, why don't you find a godly woman from among your people? No, I want her. Get her for me. Every time in Scripture you see people doing that, they ended up with catastrophic disasters, don't they? That's why it is better to sit back, be still, and know that he is God because God is really good, once again, at doing what God does. And listen to verses 12 through 15 again. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy, bound themselves under a curse, neither to eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who had formed this plot. These men went to the chief priests, the elders, and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. 
So now you, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate the case more thoroughly. However, before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. Second thing I want to share with you this morning comes from those verses, and it is this. Do not fear any attempts from the enemy to destroy God's work. Paul didn't have to worry about this plan being successful. He did his part. He did his due diligence. He made sure the young man went and told who needed to be informed of it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, there was no weapon formed against him that could prevail. And I want you to know this morning, there's no weapon formed against us as believers that's going to prevail as followers of Christ. Do you know who's going to stop God's work? No one. Is that encouraging? So when you worry, oh no, if, uh, if I say something at work while I'm on break to somebody at work about the Lord, they, they said they would fire somebody. By the way, when you're on your break, you can talk about what you want unless you are endangering someone's life, threatening people. If you're on your own time at break, and you're sitting in the break room, you can talk to somebody about the Lord. Well, how, you know, what happens if I lose my job? I don't know what God you're serving. I hope you know the God that I serve is bigger than that. He's bigger than somebody's threats to, in some kind of craziness that you can't have any kind of opinion while you're on your own personal time at break. Now, if you're in a job where you're standing at a, a station and you're responsible for this and you're going over to someone else to talk to them about the Lord leaving, you're, you're in the wrong. Did you hear what I just said? Well, wait a minute. I was going over to talk to him about, no, that's there. You're being paid to stand at that station and do your job. You do your job. Because if you don't do your job, you are actually doing the wrong thing. Even though, remember, right, we want to try to justify what we're saying. Well, I mean, I was only over there to tell him about the Lord. I was only gone for a few seconds. No, if you're paid to be at that machine, you need to be faithful in that. You need to be as faithful as anybody else has ever dreamed of being because you're being paid to do a job, aren't you? So we can't justify, we try to, but justifying doing the wrong thing as we might think the right way, no, you can't do that. It's not right, and it's the wrong thing to do. Don't fear, though, the attempts of the enemy because he's going to do that, the attempts of the enemy. He's going to try to destroy God's work, but you don't have to fear that. The only person that can mess those attempts up are who? Losing your temper at work. You had all that time sharing the gospel and being a testimony in a lighthouse, and then you just decide one day you're going to lose it, and you start saying a bunch of stuff you shouldn't, and the next thing you know, all those people that you've been sharing, how much God means to you and what God has done in your heart and in your life are standing there looking at you going, who's this? But let's say if that does happen, what do you do? You need to make it right. You need to talk to each one of them that witnessed that and say, you know what, I need to ask your forgiveness. I know talk is cheap, but I apologize for my behavior. I should not have acted like that. I'm a Christian, and that is no way for a Christian to behave. And one of the things, if anything, you've been able to see is you can be a, a Christian, but that doesn't mean that we do everything perfectly all the time. And I need your forgiveness. You know how far that goes, by the way? It goes a whole lot farther than, well, if they hadn't done that, 
right? Anybody know what that is? The self-justification? If they hadn't done that, I wouldn't have done that in the same way that Paul could have done that. How many times with Paul's ministry could we have seen Paul say, well, if they had not beaten me, then I wouldn't. One time we see Paul apologize, don't we? Where was that? We just, a few weeks ago, didn't we? Remember when he, he was talking bad about the, the high priest? Oh, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. He didn't, he didn't want to talk bad about those people in authority. I'm making sure I think it was the high priest, but if not, it was somebody who had authority over him. And he wanted to make sure that people did not see him disrespecting because Scripture talks about there's nobody in authority but that which God has instituted when we rebel against them, we rebel against God. He was doing what he was supposed to do to make sure that he kept his testimony above reproach. Church, don't fear those attempts from the enemy to try and destroy God's work. And then listen to verses uh, 16 through uh, 24 again. But the men... The son of Paul's sister, hearing about the ambush, comes, enters the barracks, reports it to Paul. He calls one of the centurions, says, take this young man to the commander. He has something to report to him. So he took him, brought him to the commander, and said, the prisoner Paul called me, asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand, led him aside, and inquired privately, what is it you have to report to me? The Jews, he said, have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin tomorrow as though they are going to hold somewhat of a careful inquiry about him. Don't let them persuade you, because there's more than 40 of them arranging to ambush him, men who have been bound under a curse not to eat or drink until they've killed him. Now they're ready, waiting for a commitment from you. The commander dismissed the young man, instructed him, don't tell anyone that you have informed me about this. To Caesarea by night, he summoned the two of the centurions and said, Get 200 soldiers ready with 70 cavalry and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at 9 tonight. Also provide mounts so they can put Paul on them and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And the third and final thing I want to share with you this morning is this. Any attempt to hinder the Lord's work will be stopped by divine interruption. Divine interruption. God was not going to allow Paul's life's work to go undone because of someone's desire to suppress truth. I don't know about you, but that's a huge comfort to me. Because sometimes the enemy's really good at discouragement. Anybody ever experienced that? Now, he comes with a complete lie. The whole shell and framework for that discouragement is in no way bound in truth. But nonetheless, it's not easy, is it? How many people in here, you know, the enemy, you're, you're a terrible father. You're, you're a terrible friend. You're a terrible whatever you are. And you, you begin sometimes, you know, man, uh, has anybody ever experienced those discouragements? Huh. Those, can, those hurt, don't they? And even when you know that it's not true and you recognize that it's an attack, it's still difficult to sometimes see through the fog, because remember what I say, the, the enemy's attacks, he brings our reality, which is very simplistic and small, he brings it up really, really close, so that we feel at that moment that fight or flight desire. And when we fight or flight, it's not gonna be a good response to it, and many times these facades, these fake temptations or these accusations, the accuser of the brethren, 
will accuse us and say how terrible we are or try to bring up something from your past that the Lord has forgiven you from. And how do I, we recognize those things when it has been forgiven and there's a recollection brought up. We know it's not from the Lord. Amen? We know it's from the enemy because God says he has separated our sin as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. He has forgotten it. So therefore, when he tries to bring these things up, we know the root from which they come. And it is not from the Lord, it's from the enemy. What do we do? You remind yourself in the scripture, even something as simple as 1 John 1, 9, and the depth and complexity with which that little verse speaks. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you can be reminded of the truth of God's word instead of the lie that he presents, trying to, what? Classify and characterize us by what we were. You know what the beautiful thing is when the, the accuser of the brethren comes and tries to accuse? I always remind him of Scripture. You know, you are reminding me of who I was in the enemy, lost in you, but I am a child of the King of kings and Lord of the lords. I am a child of the Redeemer. I've been bought, I've been paid for, and it is not my righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know what you've done? You have brought the map, you brought the title deed, you have showed it, stuck it in his face, and rebuked him, not in your power, not in your strength. You've done it in the power of the Holy Spirit, blood of Christ Jesus, the one that paid the price to redeem us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to save us. The one who has uh, propitiation for the payment, the atonement for our sin. We have reminded him of what he is and who we are in Christ. And that's where victory comes. And right here with Paul, these divine interruptions, these divine interruptions are masterfully done by the Lord. This divine interruption right here in the ministry was to save Paul's life and give a clear path to the next step in Paul's ministry. And the same is true for us. You might see that if in your life something like this were to happen, instead of, oh no, what, it is what a great reminder of that, that hymn that I love so much, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. This is a picture of God's mercy. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. They're seeing it right here. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. And you can go through each stanza of that hymn and how it speaks to everything that we are as followers of Christ. Everything, summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature and manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness. God is so ever faithful. Has God met your needs? I'm not talking about the once. Now, God even gives once sometimes. Is God providing? Is God protecting you? Is God leading you? My great question to you is, Experiencing God. We're doing it in our class. You've heard me say this time and time again. When you love someone, do you want to spend more time with them or less? I would hope your response would be more. 
Are you desiring to spend more time with the Lord? And if not, why not? Because if you love him, would you not desire to spend time in his presence, dwell with him? I know we have difficult times, and I'm, I understand that. There's going to be times when it's hard to pick up your Bible if you have a, a season of, but I want to encourage you, even at those, to pick it up, get in it. The more difficult the times are, I'd encourage you to grab it and force it to your face if you have to during those times. We need him every hour, as that old hymn says. I don't know about you, but I know it applies to me. And I know that the more I struggle with days when you, you just want to read and then you, you know, I, 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 gotta, I don't think I understood anything. Read more. Those are the days when we need more time in his presence. But you know, it's interesting as we spend time in his presence, what does he do? Delight yourself in him. He'll give you the desire of your heart. You're going to have a desire to spend more time with him. Get in his presence. Spend time in his word. You know, as the enemy, what does he love to do? Oh, he wants to hinder attempts to spend time and to grow. The reason he knows, he knows that the more time you spend with the Father, the more time you will desire to dwell in his presence, the more of himself he gives us. He gives you the desire of your heart. You want every step of your life divinely led as Paul right here? We don't know what... We don't know what the future holds, but he does. Do you want literally God to design and desire every step of yours in line perfectly till the day? I do. And I know when we live in obedience to the desires, wills, and purpose he has for our life, that's what we're walking in. There's nothing that ever surprises God or takes him by storm. Or, there's nothing. This morning, are you living that life? If you're desiring a deeper understanding of Scripture and a deeper relationship with Him, why aren't you seeking Him? And that's the questions I leave you with this morning. Again, God's directions are clear and without confusion. That's what I love about God. He leaves nothing that's confused or not understood. God either is wait or go. Number two, don't fear the attempts from the enemy to destroy God's work. God's got it under control. He is still ever faithful this morning, any attempts to hinder the Lord's work will be stopped by divine inter interruption or intervention. He will do what he promises. Where are you this morning? And where does God desire you to be today? I ask you today, this week, have you desired to spend more time? Have you desired to grow? Have you desired to spend time with other brothers and sisters more than last week? Do you see yourself more excited when you get up on Sunday thinking, man, I get to go spend time with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not saying that you had a tough week. That would, in my opinion, make me go, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I'm, gonna, I'm so thankful I've got them to encourage me today. Is that you this morning? Or do you find yourself when things get difficult wanting to isolate or alienate? That's another trick from the enemy. When things aren't going, go, I don't want to ruin, I don't want to make everybody else have a bad day with me. Listen, we're here to walk with you. We're a family. Do you decide to disconnect from your family whenever you're having a bad day so you don't? No, that's what, we're here for one another. Amen? Oh, me. But you have to make the decision definitively to say, I'm not going to buy the enemy's attempts that when things aren't going well, he wants me to alienate. 
Yeah, he wants to separate you from the strength. Instead of his power being made perfect in your weakness, he wants you to isolate so that you are attacked to a greater degree. You begin to, in a sense, we're like, you know, it, it, it sounds good in theory, doesn't it? I don't want to pollute the environment today of, of my friends because I'm just having a bad day and it's just better for me to be at home. No, it's not. It's better to force yourself to get around some people that can encourage you, that can pray with you, pray for you. In our prayer time in the mornings, we have sometimes, all of us at one point or another, are having a tough day, a struggling day. You know what the great thing is? We have those people to pray with you and you can be transparent and honest. Does anybody think any worse of you when you're having? No, that's life, amen? Being transparent and honest with others is, if you come in and you're not having a bad day at some point or another, I'm going to think you're lying to somebody. Amen? Because everybody has tough days. Everybody has those days when you wake up and you hate the skin you're in. Right? I'm a failure. I'm this or I'm that. And, and we have to recognize, wait a minute, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, I'm not bound by this flesh, but in the Spirit of God, I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I thank you for what you've done in my life, what you're doing and you're going to do. Greater conform me into your likeness, Lord. Don't let me be characterized by the enemy's desire to undermine what you're doing. God, thank you for your mercy, for your grace, and be a Paul. Be an Elijah. Be an Elisha. By the way, when I pray, I don't pray that God would give me the Holy Spirit like Elijah. You know who I pray? I want God to give me the Holy Spirit like Elisha. You know why? He got a double portion. Remember? He said, if you see me go up, then you'll, your wish will be granted. What your, I don't know why it seems like I'm talking about something different here. <laughs> That's what I pray, though. God, give me the wisdom of Solomon patience of Job. Let me walk in the Holy Spirit like Elijah and Elisha. God, give me strength to run the race to completion. God, don't let me grow weary in doing good. And I, these are my, I pray this every single day. I do it first thing when I get out of bed in the morning. I can't even think at that point, but that's what I start doing. But it's been my default. And you know what else I don't do? And I've, I've actually conditioned myself to do it. I have my phone on me when I get up, right? I won't look at that phone until I've prayed my initial prayer, and then I sit down and I check in case there's something really important, but I won't touch that phone until I've prayed. He gets number one. Is he getting number one in your life today? Or have you been going to Mark Zuckerberg and checking the latest scroll before you go to him? I would encourage you to, if you need to, don't allow yourself to pick that phone up until you've gone to him. Because the first person that deserves your everything, but most of all, your first attention in the morning is your King, your Lord, your God. He is the only one that will be there long after the rest of the foolishness of life has passed away. And I'm so thankful today that he's with us, good, bad, or ugly, right? He's with us no matter what our day's like. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, 
And today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.